So if you've got a Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. And if this is your very first time in church, awesome way to go. If that was your New Year's resolution, uh, thanks for following through on that. Uh, or maybe, uh, maybe you're uh, thinking, I'll find a new church. I'm, and maybe you're looking for your sixth church in the last 10 years and you're on the quest for the perfect church. And let me just tell you, you should leave now because we're not it. Uh, the perfect church does not exist. Uh, you are looking for a unicorn, brother. Um, you are looking for a unicorn growing out of an Oompa Loompa in Pegasus land is what you're looking for, and it does not exist. Uh, and just by definition, this may rub your fur the wrong way, but just by definition, if you were to show up thinking you'd find the perfect church, you should leave because you're just not perfect because you just walked in the door, right? So uh, it just does not exist, but the church is beautiful. It is the dearest, incredible most special thing on earth. And uh, God has granted us to be the bride of Christ. And so there's much, much good uh, about the church. And we wanna talk a little bit today about what our mission is and what we do and and what did uh, Jesus set in front of us. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit uh, today. And for the next two or three weeks, we're gonna talk about what God has set in front of us and the opportunities that we have. And, you know, the, if, if you look around a little bit, I mean, the, I mean, the church is, I mean, and it's us especially, we're a very diverse crowd. We have people who are from right here and we have people who are from far away from here and we have people who, uh, who talk differently. Don't say anything about me. Um, we, we, we have people who are, um, who have PhDs and we have people with GEDs and there's a big difference between those letters, but it doesn't mean that there's anybody is any better than the other. We have people who are, who are rich and people who are not so rich. We have people who have a lot and people who don't have so much. We have people who have really heavy, incredible burdens weighing them down. And we have people here who think this is the best time of my life right now. My life has never been any better. And we're all here together. And one of the great things, one of the great things about the church is that what God does is he brings us all together together and that we serve one another and that we love one another. And in spite of, uh, of the things that we're from different backgrounds that he says, look, here's the thing is that sometimes even though we offend each other and sometimes we don't get along with one another, that there's forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. And there's this something about being in a church that you go, man, this is the way uh, it's supposed to be, and this is the way life is supposed to be, and the way we're supposed to interact with one another. And I think that uh, I think it's it's powerful because there's really there's these two things that go on in, in church, and and one thing that that God says is that we're to love one another and to serve one another and we're to care for one another. And the other thing is, is He says the church is supposed to be built out as this missionary kind of organism. And uh, that's what we do. And we're, and we're growing and we're finding people who are far from God. And we're saying, listen, you can have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And that uh, makes the church, I think, incredibly powerful and compelling in so many ways when we're able to say, yes, this is who we are and what God has set in front of us. And so you don't have to be a missionary to uh, to fulfill what uh, we call the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28, but we all can be on mission. We can all be doing the things that God has set in front of us. So that's sort of uh, the whole idea there. So uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, again, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to begin in verse uh, 18. And it says this, it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when he says all authority in heaven and on earth, you can just stop right there. I mean, look at me just a second, okay? All, so all, 
in the discussion, there's nothing else to say at that point. I mean, just stop right there and think about that when he says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me because here's what's going on is that that means it doesn't matter what he says next. You know, if he says you should sprout wings and fly to the moon, let me tell you something, brother, you should start doing like this and feeling if the wings are coming out your back and get ready to go see the other side of the moon. I mean, that, that's, that's the way it works. When he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Look, this, this is huge. This is, this is because at, at that point, I'm going to listen to him. So Arthur, why? Okay, he was dead. He came back to life. Have you done that? No. There were other people that were dead and he brought them back to life. Lazarus, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus goes, okay. And he comes walking out because he's still tied up in his grave clothes, right? Look, he says, Peter, get out of the boat. Walk over here to me on the water. Anybody done that this week? I didn't think so. Okay, not only did you not walk on water, have you told, have you commanded someone to walk on the water and enabled them to be able to do that? Anybody, anyone, anyone, anyone? All of a sudden, it's like Ferris Bueller all of a sudden. Right? Or, or I, how about this? When's the last time it, the storm was just raging outside your house and you said, okay, that's enough, and it stopped? Anybody do that? Anybody do that three weeks ago? We had that big storm here? You should have. It would help all of us out. No? So, so look, so when he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, look, I'm listening at that point. Okay, and what does he say next? He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, this word go, you know this, you've heard this before, that's a participle. I mean, we just had an English teacher up here on stage just a few minutes ago. We should all remember that. Participle, ongoing action. So it means as you go. So it's not, hey, let's load up in a 15-passenger van and drive to Mexico and let's go, you know, there'll be missionaries there. No, it's not what I was talking about. But as you go, as you're doing life, where you are, you should make disciples. That's what we should do. So let's talk about this just for a minute. So, so how do we do that? Well, a couple things here I, I to keep in mind. And... I'm gonna talk really fast today because I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And if you're old enough to remember that song by Jerry Reed, you're old. All right, so number one, God uniquely wired you. God uniquely wired you. And see, and, and, and here's the deal. You see, when, when Jesus says, go, that's your passport. That's your papers. That, that's, that's, that allows you to travel from one place to another. That's why we're calling this series Passport because that's what God has done. He says, look, I'm giving you your traveling papers. I'm giving you opportunity as you go. This is what we do. We're making disciples, right? Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now my wife and my daughter, they both knit. And when they're knitting, they're sitting here and they got these needles and they're going to it. But the thing is, they're counting. And every now and then they will count the wrong way and they'll have to go back and take a row out and do it again because they miscounted. And so you have to be very exact when you're doing that. So God was very intentional when he knit you together while you were still in your mother's womb. He was very intentional about that. You are the way you are on purpose. God uniquely wired you. He says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So God uniquely wired you, put you together. Now, what, am I, what does that mean? 
Well, I, I, think, I think that's talking about your aptitudes. I think it's talking about who you are, that, that you are the way you are on purpose, okay? I'll use me as an example. I'm, I'm a very loud person. I've always been loud. I, I was out yesterday afternoon. I was at, this happens to me 97% of the time I go somewhere with Lori. I said something to her yesterday. I said, Lori, she goes, shh, you're being too loud. I am not being too loud. This is the way I was made. But she has to tell me that all the time. I do not have what you would call an inside voice. I do not understand that. My, my children will tell me, they say, Dad, you do not know how to whisper. And I'm like, your, your whisper, they can hear it in the house next door, Dad. And I'm like, it's okay. But, but that's the way, I've, listen, I've always been that way. Look, when I was a little kid, I was loud. And my dad would say, hold it down, son. I'm like, hold what down? And he's like, you're being too loud. I'm not being loud. But, you know, and here's the thing is I got in lots of trouble for being loud. Anybody else ever get in trouble for being loud? Look, see, now when you're loud, you know what they tell you? They say, go sit in timeout. I would have loved to have been in timeout. Listen, if you ever, look, I would love somebody to say, Arthur, go somewhere and sit and think for a little while. I would have loved that. No, it was pick me up and beat me is what it was right? You, see, some of you, you remember this because the world has changed, right? Because see, if you were somewhere and you were doing something, being loud somewhere, so it didn't have to be your mom or dad that would pick you up and beat on you. It would be somebody else. That's a, who's, and nobody said, whose kid is this? Somebody should take care of this kid. They're like, hey, kids, straighten up. And, you know, and sometimes people would stand in line to want to take care of the kid who was a problem. And I'm not talking just about in the Walmart parking lot. I'm talking about at church. I'm talking about everywhere. I mean, that's just the way it was. But I mean, so, I mean that's the way I'm wired. I'm, I'm this loud person. I think it's kind of funny that now I'm supposed to be somewhere and be real loud and talk about Jesus. Uh, and, you know, but don't think that I was in seventh grade being loud and say, Jesus loves you because I was not that person. Um, but anyway, but I, but I mean, that, that's who I am. That's, that's the way I'm, I'm wired. And, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you've got a kid and, and you have a kid who just loves playing ball and he is all about playing ball. And it doesn't matter whether it's lacrosse or basketball, football, baseball, it doesn't matter. He just loves playing ball and just wants that ball to bounce and wants to be with it all the time. Doesn't want to do anything else. And, and I mean, there's some people who are athletically gifted. Uh, and and, and that, that's their thing. They're really, really good at sports and they just pick something up. They're natural born athletes. That's what we call them. They, they can pick up any sport and they can be really good at it. Or, or maybe on the other uh, side of it, maybe you're not so athletic, but maybe you have this real appreciation for, for the arts and for, and, and, or, for, or for music or, uh, you know, and you, you look at something in, in a painting and you go, do you see that? And I'd sit there and go, No. And I said, well, what, what, but didn't it just move you? I'm like, yeah, I want to move to the next picture. Can we go do that? I, mean, I, 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 I don't get that. Some of us are really, really good at math. And some of us, we can't pass second grade math. And that's just the way God wired us. And, and that's okay, right? And, and so, so all of us are, are, are sort of different. And, and, but, but God made us that way. And so you don't have to be ashamed of that or be somebody that you're not because God made you to be that way. Uh, you're that way on purpose, and so God, not only did God uniquely wire you, God also uniquely placed you. Let me show you this, Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 24. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. 
And he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. So God says, look, not only did I wire you a certain way, but also placed you. Look, you are here living in Noonan, living in LaGrange, living in Sharpsburg. I mean, living wherever it is that you live, whatever community that you're in, you're there for a reason. You are working at the place you are working on purpose. It is not so you can find your purpose in work. God placed you there. It is no accident that you're here. It's no accident where you live, where your house is, where your home is. It is no accident. God puts you there. He determines that, listen, you are his child. He says, look, I have a plan and a purpose for you and it's gonna be fulfilled and you following me and being my disciple. That's where you're gonna find this joy and meaning and purpose in life is in following me. And so what he has done is he takes these two things, I believe, uniquely wired and uniquely placed in you and makes you begin to understand and realize, oh, this is what I'm here to do. And you begin to understand, oh, this is why I'm living life the way that I'm living it. I think that's the way it works. So when you get that and understand that and can hold on to that, then you can begin to make an impact in the lives of people around you. I was a wild child. I didn't do everything that you should never do, but I did a lot of it. I got in a lot of trouble. And there was this guy who was not like me. He was not really good at sports and he was not a loud, brash kind of person. He was kind of quiet but there was something that was a little bit different about him. And he asked me one time, he said, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And I said, no, I don't. He said, can I talk to you about that? I said, I would rather you not. And he said, okay. But you know, I, I remember, and he was someone who was a little bit older than me. And, and so I was going somewhere and I was with some friends and I promised I was not doing anything I shouldn't have been doing, really. But I was standing there and I was talking to somebody and I kind of leaned back a little, again, a little bit against this giant plate glass window. I mean, it was probably, I don't know, eight feet by 16 feet. It was huge. I leaned back against it a little bit and the whole thing shattered. And I... And that guy came walking in the room and I thought, man, he is going to call the cops on me and this is going to be bad and I'm trying to think how much money this is going to cost me and all those kinds of things. And he just said, are you okay? I said, yeah. He didn't even ask me what happened. And I was like, you're the first person in my life who didn't yell at me for doing something. And there was something different about him. And part of the reason I'm here today is because he realized that he was uniquely wired and uniquely placed and God had put him in a certain situation so that he could have influence in my life. I believe that's how it works. Now, it's not just about the way you live, right? Because we talk about lifestyle evangelism. 
because you can live the lifestyle. You can live this life that honors Jesus in front of other people. That's great. But at some point, you got to do the evangelism, right? At some point, you got to open your mouth. At some point, you got you to say something, right? Uh, you, you can't just, you know, you, you can't just have somebody uh, come walking up to you and go, oh, wow, the way you live is incredible. Uh, tell me how to have a relationship with Jesus. That just doesn't happen very often. You're, you're not going to be at a restaurant ordering, with, ordering some food with your spouse and the server says, uh, so can I get you something to, for my drink menu? And you go, well, no, I don't have anything to drink because I believe that uh, that would be dishonoring to the Lord. And somebody comes up and goes, ah, I need Jesus. That's not going to happen. It's just not. But at some point you got to open your mouth. You got to say, hey, look, here, here's what, here's, the reason I live the way that I live. Here's why I do what I do, All right? So in Romans chapter 10, uh, it says, how then will they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So at, at, at some point, you gotta say something. And, and listen, that's where it gets uncomfortable, when you say, okay, here's why I do why, what I do. Here, here's the why behind the why. It's something you got to step out and say that. That's going to make a huge difference in the life of someone. Now, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do that. So l- let me give you two or three things that I think are really good in our particular culture, our particular society, and where we are, okay? Where we live, life is really busy. Life is a 1,000 miles an hour. We're go, 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 go all the time. You know, we come down the street. We hit the door on the garage door open. And the garage door opens. We pull into the garage. The garage door goes down. We go inside the house. We get something to eat. We watch some TV. Uh, we hang out with the kids a little bit. We go to bed, and then we next morning we get up, and we get it in the garage, open the garage door, pull out and leave. And we're just, and then, you know, once or twice a week, we try and get outside the house and do something like besides check the mail. So here's what happens. See, everybody is just as busy as you are. And hunters talk for another day, but you know, busyness destroys intimacy. You, you know that, right? So one of the ways to really connect with people is to ask them to come over to your house for dinner. Don't say, hey, I'll meet you at a restaurant on Thursday night. My wife and I want to buy you dinner. But no, ask them to come to your house. Cook dinner for them. Spend time with them. Talk with them. Engage with them. You know, one of the things that the Bible talks about as far as church leadership, it says that church leaders should be hospitable. You can find that in First Timothy if you want to look at that later this afternoon. But see, we, we talk about being above reproach and we talk about being uh, a, manager, a good manager of our household and those kind of things. But are you hospitable? Do you welcome people? Are you into letting people spend the night at your house if they need to and feeding them and taking care of them? That's what the Bible talks about, hospitality. So it's one of the things we talk about in the South about Southern hospitality, but it's one of the things that we are really not as good at as people think we are. 
But see, when people come into your home and you can begin to have these conversations with them and they go, oh, you really do love me and care about me. And you don't have to say that to them, but love is spelled T-I-M-E. And they begin to go, oh, you really do care about me. So having someone over to your home for dinner uh, who's far from the Lord, that's, that's an easy way to do that. Here, here's another thing that you can do. You ask somebody, you say, well, how, how can I pray for you? And they go, well, I, I don't believe in God. I was like, I didn't ask you that. How can, how can I pray for you? And see, when you are willing to just sit there and say, well, how can I pray for you? That's great. And then three or four weeks later, you go back to them, and whether it's at school or work or wherever, you say, well, you know, how's your brother doing? Do you want me to pray for? And they go, oh, well, you really do care. You weren't just asking about it. You were actually doing something. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Those are, those are easy ways to do that. You know, and the other thing I, that's really important is just you have this, this faithful presence in that people see the way that you're living and they see that you're being faithful and you're not doing it just every now and then, but you're consistently being faithful. That's a, that's a, a huge deal. Um, easy way uh, to, to share with people who are far from God. We're starting something here on Tuesday night. This week, Celebrate Recovery. And I am so incredibly excited about what we're doing with Celebrate Recovery because for people who have hurts and hangups and habits, uh, we're saying, hey, look, we want to help you. And because, see, here, here's, listen, golly, I do not have time to talk about all this today. This should be a four-part series. That's okay. We'll just stay here at 3 o'clock. What? No, I'll talk fast. Look, here's the thing. When somebody goes through a crisis in your life, it's all, and, and they're a friend of yours, it's awkward, isn't it? Because we want to help, and we have this, this, ugh, this pain in our chest. Like, I really want to help you. I want to do something for you. But, but we don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And so what do we end up doing? We say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry this happened. And th- those are good words. And then we'll say, is there any, please let me know if I can do anything. I'll do anything for you. Please let me know. And we mean that. And listen, I, I have said that to people. I have been at, at, at funerals and in hospital rooms where, where I have said that to people. I've heard many, many other people say that. But, but here's what happens. We, we say, is there anything I can do for you? And what we mean is we mean, is there anything I can do for you in the next day or two? Because what people tell me who've gone through a crisis situation is it's not in that first week, but it's six or eight weeks later, they need something. Everybody's kind of forgotten about the hurt. And they, look, I need some help. And they say, I need some help. And they're like, well, but there's nobody to help me. And this is why I love that as a church that we're doing Celebrate Recovery because we're gonna come alongside people and we're going to help them long-term. That's huge. And so, if you don't even know what Celebrate Recovery is, will you be praying for our leaders as they're leading that on Tuesday night? Will you be telling people in our community that we've got, that Celebrate Recovery is here because we're gonna find so many people that are hurting and because they've been hurt, that has caused them to be far from God. And when we show them the love of Jesus, we're gonna see them come into a relationship with Jesus. It's gonna be transforming for our community. It's gonna be huge uh, that, that God is allowing us to be a part of something like this. But, but here's the thing, when you're practicing hospitality, when you're practicing faithful presence, when you're, um, when you're praying for people, see, sometimes we get this thing in our idea, go, ah, man, that guy, he's never gonna come into Jesus. He's never. And we see, we're making disciples, not converts. And so we're, you know, but you gotta be 
a Christ follower before he can become a disciple. So it starts with coming to know Jesus. That's where it starts. It's never, let's just do disciples. And it's not, let's just do evangelism. It's both, it's both and, it's not either or. It's, we're gonna be a reaching church and a teaching church, not one of the two. We're, we're doing both. We're uh, doing evangelism and we're doing discipleship. Uh, but listen, but you know, there are some, see, but here's the deal. I'm gonna tell as many people as I can. And not everybody's going to believe. And, and that's okay because God is still working in those circumstances. See, I, I, I believe when the Bible says that the, the arm of the Lord is, is never too short to save someone. I, I believe that. I, I, I hang on to that. But anyway, let, let's jump back into this. We've got two more things to talk about real fast. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so... Just, just real quickly, listen. In the South, we kind of look at baptism as a ritual, uh, I think. But baptism is being obedient to the Lord. It's, it's following the commands of Jesus. He said, if you have accepted me as Savior, that you should be baptized. See, and so we have a lot of people that have made decisions for Christ and, I want, and who have just kind of pushed off being baptized. I'll do that later because baptism doesn't get you into heaven. You're right. But you also should be obedient and follow the Lord and follow him in baptism. It identifies you as being a follower of Jesus. Uh, this is my wedding ring, right? And so when I take this wedding ring off, it doesn't mean that I'm less married, okay? It's a symbol. It's a symbol of an inward, uh, an outward symbol of an inward commitment that I made to, to Lori. And so when this ring is right here on my finger and I'm with Lori, go, oh, that must be his wife. Uh, sometimes you see guys with the ring right here. That's a whole other story, right? I'll leave that alone. We're doing a marriage series in February. We'll cover that then. What? Right? But anyway, baptism identifies you with Christ. So don't put that off. And he says, baptize in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So there's this expectation here that Jesus is talking to his disciples and that those disciples are teaching their disciples to be disciples. In other words, the disciples who are making disciples are doing all that he commanded them to do. So I ask you this question real quick. Will you ever get to the point that you have arrived spiritually? No, thank you for saying that, whoever said it. No, you will not. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. See, if, if you think you've ever arrived, you will crush yourself under that weight or you'll become incredibly spiritually arrogant because until we get to heaven, our lives are supposed to be marked by confession, repentance, and uh, reconciliation. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. A lot of times we start saying, well, we should just make disciples. And, th- and a lot of times the people are saying, we should just make disciples. I find that a lot of times it's people who say that have gotten to a certain point in their life spiritually and they're not growing anymore. Because they're saying, well, everybody should be where I am. But see, you're always growing in your relationship with Jesus. It doesn't stop. It just keeps going and going and going. And see, and here's the thing. I cannot make anyone be a disciple, and neither can you. I can't make anyone come to know Christ. Neither can you. But it's God that causes the growth. It's God that causes us out of the darkness into the light. And so what happens is that he is the one who puts this hunger and desire in us for us to be disciples. And we can respond and say, yes, I'm going to do that. Or no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, and, um, but we've got to be careful about it. We've got to be careful because 
we've got to make sure that we're growing our relationship with the Lord. And, and see, if we're not growing our relationship with the Lord and we get so concerned with other people who are not growing a relationship with the Lord, something's wrong with that picture. We've got to make sure that we're growing in our relationship with Jesus, that we're growing in, as disciples as well and not say, well, he's not growing. He's not, we should do all that and make sure we're growing too. All right. And there's probably a dozen passages I could take us to this morning, but just one verse from the um, parable of the sower. And it says from Luke chapter eight, verse 14, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. So see, here's what happens. There, there's some seed that gets thrown into a place and, you know, and uh, it, it, it doesn't thrive. It doesn't get any deep and it shrivels. Now, you've probably seen someone who's a Christ follower who got distracted by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world, and they were really growing like this in their relationship with the Lord, and they started growing like this. You've probably seen somebody like that. Let me ask you the question. Have you ever seen that person in the mirror? Last thing, and we're done. It says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus, look, 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 look. Behold, I'm going to be with you when you do this as you're making disciples. You're never by yourself. I was on a plane a few weeks ago. I love being on airplanes because when you talk to people on airplanes, they can't, they can't leave. So it's like a preacher's paradise, right? Put your seatbelt on, right? So there's this guy. I'm on the aisle seat because I got long legs and I, need, I want the room. And there's a guy there by the window. And I said, and I'm sitting there going, I'm sleepy. I don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm sitting there because my theology is God has placed me in that seat. And so I should talk to that person. See, because somebody told me a long time ago, said, you know, because somebody said, I was going to talk to that person. But I didn't feel led. I said, no, that's wrong. Because God's already, already told you to tell everybody. It's when did, does he tell you don't talk to that person? Like, yeah, you're right. So I, I got I to talk to this person, right? And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm not interested. I got other things. To, you know, I'm sleepy. I'm not a morning person. And so I said, okay, yes, okay. I'll, I'll, and, so, and I got this question I ask people, you know, uh, I, I say, so uh, you're heading home, you're headed to work. That's my question, right? And he says, uh, headed home. I said, well, I said, great. I said, so uh, what do you do for a living? He says, I'm in IT. Because see, I know what he's going to say next. So what, are you, what about you? What are you doing? <laughs> How you doing? I'm a preacher. <sighs> but see, he knows. He knows what I'm getting ready to say. He knows where I'm going. This is America, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do. Me and him are going to have a conversation. And you say, well, I have a hard time making conversation and starting to, look, you can use that one if you want to. So what do you do for a living? Say, I'm a preacher. <laughs> Listen, preacher doesn't mean standing on, on a stage. Teaching means you're proclaiming something. You got something to say. Tell me you're a pastor. You shepherd somebody somewhere, don't you? What do you do? I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, God. <laughs> but no, then you can talk, right? Because they're, they're like, but he's going to ask me about something spiritual. And, and look, all of a sudden, all the 
you know, the, the awkwardness just disappears, right? But here's what I want you to understand, okay? I believe there is a link between how much you embrace the mission and how much you enjoy heaven. Well, I thought heaven was a place of infinite joy. Yep. I think you'll enjoy heaven more if you embrace the mission more. Because guess what? When you get to heaven, it's not going to look like us. A lot more people from Africa than from America are going to be in heaven. A lot more people from East Asia, China, Korea are going to be in heaven they're going to be Americans. And if you don't embrace the mission, you're going to be kind of like, oh, what are these people doing here? I know you already think that about your brother-in-law, but that's a whole other story. It says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, not just from South Atlanta. I don't know what the song sounded like or sounds like. There's one person in the universe that was worthy, just one. And he gave his life for me and for you. It says, you've made them a kingdom. That's us. And priests are our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, myriads upon myriads saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. I hope that you'll embrace the mission. I hope that you'll cling to it. Not because you have to, but because you want to. I hope that you'll go. Not because you have to, but because you get to. I 